Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed M., Gina, Mike, Daniel, all the way from across the pond, and myself, Steve. Welcome. Hi, everybody. Hi. Okay, I guess I'm not supposed to uh, get Gina upset by asking her what she thinks the biggest story of the week is. It's, it's all the Twitter files. It is all the Twitter files. Okay, specifically? I think it's a little bit of all of them. Um, you know, we all knew it was going on, but just the audacity of these people to kind of create their own world and what they think is wrong and right, it, it's just, it's astonishing. It really is. And uh, we were just talking before the show about all these FBI agents or former ex FBI agents and People that have been in the um, surveillance <laughs> industry just that are found to have been working at Twitter. I think that is huge, and I can't wait to see what else is unraveled. I think the most interesting part of it is how he, how Musk is releasing it sort of the way Project Veritas releases things. Yeah. Instead of just releasing it all at once. He's really making them all squirm by wondering what else is he going to release? What's next? Yeah. What was deleted? You know, did, did uh, you know, that lawyer who he fired, you know, did, was he able to delete, you know, other things and, you know, make them all worried that he's going to, you know, make them all look bad. Uh, I, I like how it's coming out in, in drips and drabs and, and in a trickle. And, I, you know, I have no doubt that he's going to, he's going to hammer them all. And, I, and I'm enjoying seeing them squirm. Yes. Getting closer to committing suicide, I think. <laughs> well, all he's got to do is release something that says, you know, you've got something on Hillary and there'll be yep. mass suicides. <laughs> you know, I, I may have mentioned this last week, but the mainstream press is pretty much not reporting any of this as having happened at all. So will any of this make any bit of a difference? Well, obviously, we have our doubts that anybody is going to be held accountable for any of this stuff based on what we we have seen in the past in similar situations. But, you know, to borrow the phrase from Trump, it's, you know, about draining the swamp. Well, it's not really a swamp, is it? It's a pretty deep, vast ocean of tyrants at this point. And you mentioned the press. They're part of the cabal. So. You know, this, this entire yeah. cabal of people, whether at, at Twitter or at the Facebooks or at the YouTubes of the world, with the, the mainstream legacy media, and then all of these law enforcement types that are involved, um, they're all a bunch of totalitarians, and it just shows how far they've been willing to go. And you, do, you wonder just how much more there is that we're going to learn. And uh, again, we talked last week for a while about the accountability part of it. Uh, I mean, there's so many layers to this. I don't know where to start. I mean, Jack Dorsey was is guilty of lying before Congress for, for one thing. I'm sure it wasn't just him that lied before Congress. Um, we know that there are a lot of people that were specifically targeted um, and had their accounts suspended. But then there's just the everyday users like maybe us. Uh, millions of people out there that have had our voices really suppressed through shadow banning and the like. And you know, Stephen, what, what what can we do? 
Well, uh, what can we do? And, you know, Stephen, you said your, your question is, will it really matter? And to me, the, the, the implicit premise of that question is that we, we, we somehow have to convince all of the 40, 50, 30, 60, whatever the percentage is that are in favor of this totalitarianism, that we've got to persuade them that they're doing that they're doing the wrong thing. And I think that the premise is wrong. We don't need to persuade them. And, and it's a fool's errand to try and persuade them. The purpose of these revelations isn't to get the New York Times and the Washington Post to report on it and get these leftists on the other side to say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe what we were supporting. The point is to galvanize our side and to make our side confident that, yes, you're right. No, you're not crazy. The gaslighting didn't work. And it's time to fight. That's what this is all about. Okay, I guess I'm sort of channel channeling one of our original very esteemed hosts. Um, that would be Jody, who I think was very big on trying to convince the people. And even if you pick them off one by one. And what, what's sad for me is, unfortunately, I do meet liberals day to day. And they will simply say, no, you're making this up. And I'll say, but it's all over the, pl the place. They'll say, no, that's only the right wing media. And they make, make stuff up. Well, so, what good does it do to to change their minds one at a time when they import a hundred thousand a day? Right. Oh, well, and what can what can they do? So, like the Dan Bonginos and the Charlie Kirks, what do they have any legal ground for any type? What kind of lawsuits can they file? Um, if I any, I don't think we're at the point of lawsuits. You know, the Declaration of Independence didn't didn't file a complaint in a court. Mm, I don't know. The thing is that, you know, what you have to acknowledge is that the other side are in control of what a scandal is because of their mainstream media dominance. So, you know, I mean, I've seen people um, replying to the, the Twitter files, um, you know, this is a massive nothing burger. And uh, objectively, that's completely false because objectively the behaviour of the FBI the behaviour of in intelligence services embedded in um, social media companies and media companies and directing narratives to fix an election. That is objectively worse behaviour than Watergate. It's a far bigger transgression than Watergate was. And if we had any kind of fairness or balance in the media, then this would be a, a government ending moment the release of this information. But it simply isn't because you've got uh, such conformity in the mainstream press in declaring it isn't a story, just as they declared that um, electoral fraud wasn't a story. Um, and as long as they have that total dominance, that yes, we've got people now who will find the information themselves and alternative media will release it, but it's only affecting our side and you know ed might be right that that's a very good purpose in galvanizing our side but we don't get any practical effect from it because it's the other side who are in control of any official response well look at what's going on in brazil right now they're facing some similar issues in brazil and what's happening the people are starting to revolt the people are saying no you can't do this to us and they are far less free than we are i'm not saying that I'm not saying anything more than that. I'm just saying our side needs to be far more willing to fight than, than it is. And that goes for the Republican Party. That goes for local activists. That goes for everybody. It's time to just call 
BS on what is obviously BS. And it's time to stop trying to persuade people that are completely unpersuadable. Uh, I mean, I agree, but um, how many people you're actually going to, you know, because what you're talking about really is is a form of revolutionary action. And how many people are going to get to do that at the moment? It, it's still a very unlikely thing, isn't it? At the moment, things look pretty bleak, but we need leaders to step up and be willing to say what needs to be said. Otherwise, our Republicans, our conservative movement here is going to be no different than what your conservative Tory movement is in, in Britain right now. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to pick up on that for a second, just to make a little trouble. So one story out there is that Lauren Boebert has softened, um, if only in her approach. The other story out there is Marjorie Taylor Greene, who apparently got her foot so far in her mouth the other day that I'm not sure she'll recover. I don't know if you guys heard what she said. Mm-mm. Yeah. I thought what she said no, was what right. she What'd she, she say? My understanding yeah. is she said that the January Sixers, if they would have been armed, it would have turned out differently. And she, she just- Yeah, if she had organized it, she would have she would have had them win. I didn't hear nothing. Why sure. did I hear nothing? And she would have oh. made sure that they were all showed up armed instead of unarmed. Right. She so, said, she said, she said, if I was in charge, they would have won. And then, and then she said, and they would have been armed. And right. I'm bringing those two up because those were two pretty outspoken people. And I think either because of the pushback they get or not being on committees or because if they make a mistake, it's so amplified. And that was a really poor, unforced error. Um, I don't think many people even dream of being leaders. Because I don't think it's I don't think it's poor at all. I don't think it's an unforced error. I think it's exactly what we need. You know, when are we going to start pushing back? They can yeah, say what they like. They can back. do whatever they like, and we still worry about how it looks or the optics or yep. uh, oh my god, that's an outrageous statement. I don't think no. saying if they were armed is optics. I think that's just stupid because that's it's, literally it's saying, had it, we it, gone it, there it's, violently. That's just, it's, fact, it's factually accurate. The, um, no, actually, it's know. not factually accurate because they will call it the National Guard and kill every single conservative. So nobody would have won anything and they just would have killed a whole bunch more people. So I don't know. I think people have to be very careful with what they no, say. No, but the point, the point is, until we're ready to resort to that, they're going to keep pushing us and running us over and then going past us and putting it in reverse and running us over backwards and then running us over again. That's this game. And I realize that's a mixed metaphor, but um, that's what's going on until, until we're willing to use the same level of force against them that they're using against us. And they use it every damn day until we are willing, until they know it's going to hurt. They have no incentive to stop. Well, I yeah. And, and also you've got to look, you know, what about the optics for them? You say they've just called out the National Guard and kill people. Well, you know, that's a very dangerous route for them to go down. And right. if you stay there, if you didn't go home, if you didn't peacefully disperse, if you peacefully remained even, then they have they are forced into position where they have to escalate. And when they have to escalate, that's when you become the martyrs. And, you know, and this is how peaceful revolutions have won before, um, because you force them to a level of response that then gets everyone on your side. 
And, and we don't do that. We go home peacefully and we disperse when we're told to disperse. Yep. I don't know. I think you're way too optimistic. Martyrs are created by the media. If martyrs are not heard about as martyrs, they don't exist. Exactly. George Floyd, for example. Well, that's the point. They Why made him internet a martyr, keep going out? Can y'all hear but him? If oh, my they, goodness. If they don't want to make, what was her name? Um, oh, come on. Ashley Babbitt. Hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's all about, you know, it's partly our response because um, we don't, we let them do that. We let them control the agenda that way. You know, yes, the media control public perception and there's not a scandal unless the media says there's a scandal. But there's a tipping point. There's a revolutionary tipping point. And if you look at peaceful revolutions, they stop accepting everything that the mainstream says. You know, yep. you, that's 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 what happened with the, the revolution that formed America. That's that's with every revolution. You have to keep, completely stop accepting what they say and worrying about what they say and spread your message yourself regardless. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think we had this discussion once before. The American Revolution was led by men. We've now had several decades of destroying manhood. And there are no men left. Okay, how about we start by standing up for men? I mean, that's one of the issues on the table today. And if the Republican Party won't do it, well, then we need to stand up to the Republican Party too. Well, that you yes, know, that's, that's a big story. That's a big story that came out at the end of last week. We could have talked about it on the show and didn't. Um, but you know, Harmy Dillon's challenge to Rona McDaniel to me is a big story. And Harmy Dillon is not pulling punches. She's making a very strong case that Republican leadership all the way up to the top is wrongheaded and taking us in the wrong direction. And let's see where she can get, you know, let's see what, you know, whether people come out to support her. Does, does well, I, I think, um, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene has shown that she's the, the, the most male person in the, in the Republican party, hasn't she? With her statements. You know, and, and we need to back that. We need to say, yes, actually, that person is fighting back. Does the average person in America have any influence whatsoever on who becomes the head of the RNC? Well, if you pick up your no. phone and call your committee, your your RNC committeemen for your state. Yeah, I mean, they've got their mind made up. They have their mind made up. Isn't it all about money? Well, you know, when you talk like that, then why don't we just surrender and, and you know, have ourselves fitted for chains? No, I think... I can, and it's funny because when you were talking five minutes ago, I thought you were more talking about what the quote unquote congressional leadership will do, which is yet to be seen. You know, I don't know what the absolute up to the minute news is with this omnibus bill. There was some a story that they've come to some framework agreement on it and that supposedly McCarthy said no way. Has anybody heard anything about that? They just did an update a few minutes ago, actually. An hour ago is the last time. And saying, I've got to read through it real quick. Hold on. Okay, because just basically, on my phone. if they let a bill go by, you know, pass funding the government for another year, a la Mitch McConnell, then we know they've caved. It would be fascinating if McCarthy would hold out. And I believe the 26th is the deadline or something to, God forbid, shut down the government. It's also going to be interesting to see if the Jim Jordans and some of these other committees really pan out as something or if they totally fizzle away. And I think there we may have a little bit of influence. 
I think McCarthy just wants to make it look like he's fighting without him actually fighting. I think you're 100% right, and I'm hoping you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Mike, you're muted. Sorry about that. Um, Ed, going back to the account accountability part, are you saying you're opposed to any um, you know, lawsuits by some of these people, people like James Woods, who clearly was thrown off for purely political reasons, like so many others were? I mean, at this point, it, it's obvious that all their justifications were BS. They violated their own policies, their own terms and conditions. So I would have to think that a lot of people have a legitimate case. I'm, I'm all for lawsuits in the same sense that I'm for lawfare and all weapons that can be used against the enemy. Uh, I outlined last week how for months I've been searching for a plaintiff or plaintiffs or somebody to fund a lawsuit challenging the PrEP Act, which is what is insulating these vaccine manufacturers from what they're doing. Um, I'm all for that, but I don't think we're going to win this battle through the courts. The courts might be an instrument that we can use to weaken the enemy, but I, I don't I, I don't think that without larger weaponry, we can win with just lawsuits. You know, you one, of, one of the articles that Stephen shared is in, in the show notes was about how December 11th is a day of infamy and how December 11th, 2020 was the day that the U.S. Supreme Court refused to hear the Texas versus Pennsylvania case. Um, you know, that that's symbolic to me of, of what the courts are going to do. The courts are just not going to save us. And, and even if we had better judges, they're not going to save us. They're not going to save us if we don't save ourselves. And that's the lesson of all the foreign wars that we've been fighting. You know, even taking the best, you know, even if Ukraine were a, were a democratic country, which it's not, this whole notion that we can save them is just, it's flawed. It's not just flawed, it's wrong. They have to be willing to save themselves. And they're they're not a free country. They have no idea what Jefferson ever said. Um, and we seem to have lost a lot of what Jefferson ever said. So um, we have to save ourselves. Is there any import to the fact that supposedly they have proof that Michelle Obama was involved in Twitter business? Well, I, I suppose it, it, it shows just how much a lot of this stuff functions by um, social ties from the right people as well. Influence you know, it's uh, um, they can they don't even need it. They can drop a hint at a dinner party and uh, something major will happen. Um, and, and that's the level of control they've got, isn't it? But I don't think it will there'll be any bounce back in terms of anything negative happening to Michelle Obama. And I think part of negative it, is like, what, Steve? No, I'm, I was going to kind of channel you. I think they kind of do this knowing that even if they get caught, it won't matter. It's just the unbelievable arrogance of something like this happening. Well, yes, well, and not, is, not just that, but I think I think that um, it's I think that the main import of that angle of the story is for our libertarian and anarchist audience. We're not dealing with private parties, even though it's ostensibly private parties. We are dealing with the collusion between private parties and government. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, you know, 
It doesn't have to be the case that the government is pointing a gun at the private party for it to be collusion. I mean, that's one form, but we've got a situation that's totally different and that the libertarians and anarchists have no answer for. And that is private parties running to the government, begging to be regulated, begging to be told what to do, begging to be told who should be deplatformed, and the government just passively saying, oh, get rid of Trump or get rid of this guy or this person might be a might be someone you should look into. There's not this isn't a situation of coercion, you know, where, where the Stasi is aimed at at the corporations. This is the corporations running to the Stasi and saying, you know, what can we do to, to help? And the libertarians and the anarchists have absolutely no answer for that. And, and I know that that's going to be controversial. They'll say, yes, we do. But but no, they don't. And that is one of the central, if not the central battles that we have to fight on the right right now, because we can't just say the market will solve everything. Uh, I'm not against the free market, but what we really need to do is learn how to channel power and use political power to defeat an enemy that is trying to subvert our freedoms with with our freedoms. Well, isn't that exactly what you say Elon is doing? Yeah, I do think that. There's a story out today that he's working on or making a PayPal alternative. Anybody catch that? I didn't no. see that particularly, no. but I've heard he, I mean, he was part of the origination of PayPal, wasn't he? I can't remember. He I'm not, I'm not as old as you people. I, I can't remember that kind of history. <laughs> May he come up with as many alternatives as possible. I think that is the one place where consumers do have, you know, a little bit of influences in moving to any of the alternatives. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what Ed was saying about libertarians <laughs> really resonates with me because I, I just had a massive argument the other day with a, with a very uh, firm libertarian. And, you know, I, lots of their stuff appeals to me. And, uh, you know, but I ended up in a huge argument because ultimately you can't say let them do whatever they like because they're a private enterprise. Because when what they're doing includes the total restriction of your liberty, you, you cannot then use that argument to say it's okay. And it's, uh, to me, it strikes me as an extreme like pacifism that will, will happily let evil happen. Um, but to yep. stick to its ideal. I mean, even Are you if talking about that. a libertarian in the UK or here? Um, it was a US libertarian that I argued with online. Okay. Do you have people like that in the UK or is it not even relevant? Uh, it, it's not even relevant, really. We don't have that that argument. It's it's more um, it's it's more a, a debate between the left and the right, um, such as it is. And um, uh, people who are, you know, 10, 20 years ago would have been called a normal conservative being labelled far-right extremist today. But there's not really that, that kind of libertarian party anywhere in the UK. So, Ed, I'll ask everybody here, do you think that that branch of libertarianism is more than just a super fringe? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the the main wing of the of the movement in America, in, in America anyway. See, I, don't I mean, think so. I can I think that they I think that the typical libertarian, if they were sitting in the list, if they're listening to this show, one of the questions going on in their head is, huh, Michelle Obama wasn't president. Barack Obama was president. Do we even have government? Is that even proof of government collusion at all? 
I mean, they have these academic arguments <clears throat> that ignore reality and ignore what's actually happening. And they're going to be all for private action until, you know, to use a graphic example, until the, 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 the door is hermetically sealed and the Zyklon B pellets are coming through the pipes. The, the trouble is we've got a hit and run driver over our liberties who keeps knocking us down and libertarians then say, but it's his car. You know, that, that's, the, that's the trouble with it. Yep. It's a good line. Oh, that, that's their view on drunk driving, right? That yeah. you have no right to, to you, that you have no right to stop me from using my property to buy alcohol and to drink and to get in a car. You can only punish me after I hurt somebody. Well, I have I've had that I argument numerous times. That. I happen to agree uh, with that, by the way. I, okay. <laughs> I, I know you do. I don't agree with that at all. I, don't, I think that when you pose an objective threat to somebody, and by objective threat, I mean something that's demonstrable by pointing to facts outside your own personal consciousness, I think that's it's totally fine for a government to prohibit behavior that is an objective threat to other people. And that's why I believe everybody who didn't get the vaccine should go to jail. I totally agree with you. Sure. You're right. The well, there's a, there's, a difference between between real, there's a difference between real threats yeah. and imaginary. Yeah. No, 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 there isn't right. a difference exactly, between Daniel. a real threat. Thank you. Because yeah. all real threats come from the exact same scientists and the exact same research. And therefore, no, there are no such things as objective threats. All of those things come from statisticians and numbers. Whether it's drunk driving, whether it's secondhand smoke, whether it's the COVID vaccine or anything else, we have no idea what the facts are on those things, okay? Those facts are made up. What do they say? You know, 85% of statistics are just made up. So no, we don't know that, that, that any of these things are true. The COVID vaccine is totally different anyway, because- Why is it different? Because it forces you to put something inside your body rather than to tolerate with a, a risk outside your body. You believe, okay, you believe that 51% of the population can arrest the other 49% for doing something that 51% deem objectively dangerous. No, not because they deem it, because they can point to facts that prove it. There, Ed, there are no facts in the world. There are only okay, statistics. Well, there are not- I disagree. Ed, Ed, Ed I disagree. Agree. The basic understanding is that everything that's, formed by research and statistics is based on numbers and math and basically scientific guesses. Okay, so that, that's ridiculous. Don't have facts. What are the facts about drunk driving? What percentage of people who drive drunk actually hurt somebody? Is there a fact? No. It's there not about percentages. Facts. There is no, that, you said it's objective. It's that you're, it's there are no you're a threat to other people. You you're, can't so would you, let, would you let blind people drive? Excuse me. Would you let people text and drive? Would you let people sing and drive? Would you let people talk to the person in the back seat and drive? There are no objective threats. I would allow different jurisdictions to handle any all those questions differently. Based on what? And there are no facts. No one has there a study of how many people text and don't get it. There are no facts. Them. Then what are you arguing? Shut your I'm mouth. I'm arguing. Exactly. I'm arguing. There's no you facts. Can't. You can't the, punish you somebody. You have no basis to argument. If there are no facts, you have nothing no, to argue. Hey, you hey, you can't punish somebody who didn't hurt anybody. You can't say because you're likely to hurt anybody because then you can't text and you can't talk and you can't listen to music. Until you hurt somebody, there are no facts. 
There is no statistic in the world. Can there tell are me. facts. No, there aren't. Ed, you're talking right now. You're not hurting anybody. Ed, That's still a fact. Ed, I know you're really, really at least as intelligent as I am and at least as educated as I am. There are no facts. Facts yeah. are based on statistics, which are numbers extrapolated. There no, it's facts no, are things that exist in reality. Mike, Mike, you're in insurance. Is there any way of knowing how many people drive drunk and never hurt anybody in their lives? No, by definition, there's no way of knowing. Different area of insurance. <laughs> but there's no, by definition, you can't it, 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 But if somebody drinks, obviously it, it's a fact that you don't need stats per se. You know that it's impairing your ability so to is function drinking, the way so you is normally driving do. When you're, so is driving when you're tired. Yeah, this is true. So you believe that yeah. anybody who's driving while they're tired, then basically we should- No, have that's, a, total, that's a logical, that's not a logical leap. Steven, are you kidding? The logical me? leap is: Can is it legitimate to ban driving while you're tired? Is it legitimate to ban driving while you're playing with your cell phone? Is it legitimate to ban driving while you're eating? All those things are legitimate. I don't think that they must be illegal, but I think it's okay if they're illegal. That's the, there's a difference. You think it's okay? So that's where we disagree. I don't think it is okay to make it illegal. If you haven't hurt anybody, you haven't hurt anybody. But, but you're also, oh, okay. you're also so using you're, in your world, road. you can just fire bullets in the air. And until those bullets land and hit somebody, that's OK, too. But then go drive on a right? private road, not a public. Road. Right. Or, or you can point a gun at somebody. And until you actually pull the trigger, hey, they chose to give you that wallet. You didn't you didn't take their lives. You didn't touch no, them. If you, you, if you didn't, took their wallet, you didn't commit you any crime wallet. against them. You just were a threat to them. And we're, we're basically disagreeing on two things and we're disagreeing on what a threat is, what's objective, but we're disagreeing on who gets to decide. And the minute you're okay with the, the majority deciding, that's how we got locked down for two years. What's the basis for saying that I can't point a gun at you and say your wallet or your life? Until I take your life, on what basis can you- Or, or until you take my wallet, there is no basis. If you voluntarily give it to me, then you voluntarily gave it to me. Um, and what system of law is that considered voluntary? I know in Jewish law, it's not. Forget about uh, you, the majority doesn't get to rule. If the 51% say that, that doesn't make them right. No. You said that until you actually hurt somebody, you, that you, it can't be. Well, you're hurting somebody by it. taking their wallet. Obviously. You're not taking it. They're giving it to you. If they really gave it I mean, it if I go and I reach into your pocket, okay, I guess then I'm, I'm, I'm hurting you. But if you voluntarily give it to me, so I mean, Ed, Ed a gun at you, isn't, Ed, isn't, isn't you have you? no reason to disagree with the COVID lockdowns because all of science did say that was a good idea. All of statistics said that oh, was that's a good not idea. true. Oh, really? That's that's not that, true. We don't know that. That's Mike, Mike, no, excuse me. No, Mike, but the majority, the majority did. Mike, in Mike, in there, March there of 2020. There were doctors and Mike, scientists Mike, saying, no, me. don't do wrong. the lockdown. Mike, you're simply wrong. In February, March, April of 2020, there were almost zero voices in the entire world that were talking against lockdowns. One of the Either doctors, one, they came more and more. That's, and I mean, you weren't listening to me minority. then. They were a super minority. And the point is- well, One of the top doctors was, was thrown off of Twitter at the very beginning. He just but, got his account but we're going. What was the majority pro-lockdown yeah. or the majority was anti-lockdown? In was February, March, and April, the majority was very, very much- pro-lockdown, and the majority of science early on in COVID was very much that they had to do what they had to do. So let me, let me are, respond I mean, to this. They went against their own science on the mask. Okay. They went against let, that. <laughs> let me respond to this. 
I think all you're really saying, Stephen, is that the courts wouldn't be the place to resolve this. Okay. I actually would agree with that. Okay. I don't think that courts should have overturned. Well, they could have, and they, they there were ways they could they could have, but this was not a battle for the courts. Is there is there an instance? Do I think the polio vaccine should be mandatory? I don't know that it should be, but I'm I'm okay with it being mandatory. Are the, are, can this, is it okay for me to me that the smallpox vaccine is mandatory? Yes, that's okay to me. There is science that backs that up. It's objective. It's proved. the The COVID vaccines were not proved, but yet at the same time, I understand what you're saying. And I don't think a judge was in a position to say, okay, I'm going to go with scientist B rather than scientist A. That was a political decision. And I think the political party, po political branch should have decided it. But the issue with COVID is not that they were following the science, but that they were censoring the science and that the private companies were working with the government to silence half of the argument so that there wasn't a real argument. That's the issue on the COVID vaccines. If there were science that showed that the COVID vaccines were as safe and effective as the polio vaccine and the smallpox vaccine, I, I would be a lot less opposed to them as I am. You, That's do know the that, you do know that there is science opposed to the polio vaccine, correct? I know that, yes, there, there's no vaccine that's perfect. I get right. that. And you know what? If there's a one in a million chance that something happens, then there shouldn't be a prep act that insulates the manufacturer from liability. Even in that can one I, in a can I give a can I give a fact here that I discovered today? We um, love facts here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I do believe that I do believe facts are factual. Um, Actually, I don't. So, but try, try one. Try one. Fact. Yeah. Well, um, uh, a British MP gave a, a, a talk on COVID. Um, it was a debate in the House of Commons. It was about uh, a week or two weeks ago. Uh, Andrew Budgeon MP. Uh, and he was very anti-vaccine, and he was saying that the vaccines should be ended immediately, um, the, the COVID vaccines, which is a brave start and a good one and a correct one. A piece of the evidence he cited was that in the 1970s in the UK, um, a vaccine was withdrawn from use as being too dangerous. Um, that was a vaccine that was... Uh, responsible for serious harms, a particular condition it caused, in one in 100,000 cases. According to the um, reporting system information we have, and according to Pfizer's vaccine trials and the analysis of those that, that has gone on, the COVID vaccines cause serious harms uh, in one, one in 800 cases, not one in 100,000, one in 800 cases. And that's with a reporting system that might detect only 10% of cases. So it's objectively factual that- Oh, Daniel, uh, look at the statistics. Those aren't facts. <laughs> Daniel, it's Daniel, I, I it's objectively you say factual Daniel. that Daniel, there are degrees of risk. we're talking to here is taking research courses, correct? There's, there, there's degrees of risk though, isn't there? If you take, you uh, and we all acknowledge research, that right? in our own lives. Right. And yes, we should have independence of decision. Anybody, Daniel, anybody who has studied research knows that not one of those numbers are factual. No one met 800,000 people. Those are all extrapolated numbers, okay? No, anybody who takes Research 101 knows that those are just numbers pulled out of a hat. And they can pull numbers for either side, any side of any argument they want. 
I don't think was, that they're necessarily it, no. extrapolated. They, there's a, I mean, theirs is not extrapolated. It's an actual reporting system. Yeah, we we have uh, the numerators. We have, have five hundred thousand reported uh, serious harms. Those aren't extrapolated. Actually, none of those are objectively known. If they are or they're not, they're reported. Number one. Number two. Everybody here knows that the numerators and denominators of every single COVID statistic was up for grabs. No one met eight hundred thousand people. No one met a million people. All of these things are statistics and statistics can go any way you want them to go. And come on, everybody knows that. That's ridiculous. That's like saying- Yeah, but this is, that's, like saying, that's like saying any argument anyone makes- No, any argument not based on a fact. And words, there's, no, words aren't know, real things. There's a fact that there's five people false. in this discussion. That's a fact. That's not extrapolated. I count one, two, three, four, five. But when you it, talk you know, about it's the, medical it's, research, it's, it's the interpretation of those statistics that where the problems sometimes come in. What if I identify as a twin? Actually, like they say, um, figures don't lie, but liars figure, et cetera, et cetera. All of those numbers, which is lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yes, yeah. exactly. Which is why we're but, bamboozled because every single statistic, by definition, is extrapolated. And multiplied out, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody has ever counted any amount of people. Plus, but again, this, this is where Ed is right. I mean, the whole thing with listening to everything the damn experts say, these are political decisions and they require better leadership than what we have had for <laughs> how long, right? You're, we're supposed to be, be smarter, more logical, wiser to interpret these things and make judgments that are to the benefit of our society and people. Uh, you know, most of the vaccines that we've ever taken in our lives have been tested for years, decades, and we get build up a confidence that, OK, if I take it, yeah, there may be a one in a million chance that something happens to me. But odds are it's not going to. No, but the question is, but, but how do you know? But how do you know? Because did they report that for years? COVID. But they didn't report that for years. There was no VAR system in 1962 or 1973. So you don't know who was affected by it or not affected by it. And okay, it goes but, back but, to what, we, Steve, you're both I, right. I, I also have. Right. I have 53 years of being on pl this planet. I, right, but Mike, I that's can, okay if it's your choice. But about yeah. mandating vaccines, look at the HPV, the HPV vaccines. Those are, I don't know, are they mandated? Are you okay with that based on somebody's research somewhere? And then 10 years later, they say, whoops, big mistake. The, these are legitimate questions and no, problems. So not, here's the problem. If you're okay with the government mandating them by majority, I, it's a problem. If you say... I get to decide what I do with my body, then it's not a problem. When it comes to vaccines, the first question in, in my mind is, what is, what is the real threshold that a large segment of the population of people can be harmed if we let a certain disease progress and don't do anything about it? Mike, all right. I think there's I a different know, issue I involved, Mike. I don't know I think, what that exact answer is. I'm gonna move on Mike, to I think there's a different topic, issue involved because with vaccines, Almost all the time, they involve children, and the it, and the it it it, it implicates both uh, your your ability to make a choice yourself and whether the parental whether the parents are committing child abuse by not doing something. I mean, if a parent doesn't feed the child, that's doing nothing, but it's still committing harm. If you don't give a vaccine that on at a certain threshold of of proof mm -hmm. is is makes the child's life better, I can see it being. Uh, I can see it being child abuse, but for an adult, I, I I think you're right. I don't think it should ever be mandatory for an adult to get a vaccine ever. By the way, I'm going to recommend my second favorite book in the world. First favorite book, obviously, is Daniel Jupp's 
And second favorite book is Psychology of Totalitarianism, where he also mentions, but there's a famous researcher, and this is not a uh, nutcase, who believes 85% of all medical research is fraudulent. Well, the, the, um, the medical profession itself admitted that because um, there was a, a, a while back when I, I was researching stuff along about coronavirus, came across the fact that the, um, the former editor of the Lancet magazine uh, was amongst a group of people who um, basically said that 50% of all uh, medical research was uh, sheer nonsense. Yeah. And the Lancet is the number one, one journal. I want to talk yeah. about, um, what's his face, SBF? Biden and the nonsense that happened at the White House. What's the Marriage Equality Act, all that nonsense, the okay, non-binary you know singer, what? Cindy Lauper. Okay, I mean, there's your nonsense you, right there. Go, go for it. Go tell us about it, Gina. Go for it. Well, pretty much uh, the White House was just made a mockery of again. Like when you would think of dignitaries and stuff coming to the White House, we now have drag queens. We have non-binary performers talking about marriage equality acts and codifying gay marriage, which if they don't know if they're a man or a woman, what does it matter that they're even there to begin with? It makes absolutely no sense. Our country has just become a laughing stock. And yeah, that's all I got for that. Well, this whole, what are your, your thoughts on that whole bill that was just signed into law? Um, which supposedly I think was um, superfluous as it was. But what is that saying for the Republicans voting for that? It says they're pieces of poop. Pieces of poop. I mean, both of our both of our North Carolina senators voted for it. I mean, it's they're both pieces of poop. Burr and Tillis are both pieces of poop. So, yeah, I mean, people had reached out. Con any, anybody and everybody that I knew had reached out to the senator's office. All of them. They they didn't get a phone call back. They didn't get a real person. I mean, they, they don't give a crap. Because I, I don't, don't know. Why should they care? Yeah. Because we have no yeah. choice but to vote for them, right? Oh, we got to give enough. them credit for what they call that law, right? The respect respect for marriage act or something. Yeah, whatever. Mm. Respect for anything but marriage. That's all it it's, is. It's always it's always Orwellian and the opposite of what the what the thing what actually it really is, is. right? Are we, wait a minute, so Daniel, you're a European correspondent and we always look <laughs> to Europe for being so uh, enlightened. Yeah. They have a similar law respecting um, marriage? Um, not that I'm aware of. We, we, we did um, obviously bring in gay marriage and, uh, um, you know, that was a conservative government that did that. Um, and... I was sort of one of the people who's not really wasn't really fussed either way with with gay marriage because um, I was I was one of those conservatives who's, who's kind of convinced that the argument that that any stable relationship is better than an unstable one, um, you know. So, um, but we 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 haven't had anything as, as kind of dramatic on terms of the the, the trans agenda. In the UK, as, as as has been going on in the, the US, um, See, I, I sure... have no problem with gay marriage because I'm kind of libertarian. I have a yeah. lot of fears about the religious world being crushed. I, I think a lot of it that's going to be. What I see happening is things like adoption. Okay. So these families are you usually can't adopt unless you're married and you've got this big stable home. 
And they're going to use that to go to these Christian ran adoption agencies. And these kids are going to be placed in homes. It's just, it's all going to be downhill. This is just opening a can of worms, all of it. Right. And I think the Republicans were part of not forcing there to be a lot of religious cutouts, if I understand correctly. No, none of they well, they want to include any of them. I mean, that Gina, that concern has been around for a while, right? Which is that they were going to try to start adopting children and who's whose um, interests are really at stake there. No, but it's also worse than that. Mike. It's they're not letting Catholics and Christians run adoptions. Yeah, so you're actually cutting out that entire resource. But the, the other aspect of it, too, goes back to our whole statistics thing. Where's all the data that shows that a child is better off with the mom and dad instead of two moms or two dads? Actually, I don't a while think back, a while back in the, sorry, a while back in the UK, we had a, a controversial case, this from memory, where um, a child was taken into social services and the argument was made that they were taken to social services because the parents were UKIP members, which was a you know perfectly legal party. It was Nigel Farage's party pushing for Brexit. Um, but you know, so we've had some very dodgy decisions around child safety um, that are obviously motivated by a left-wing agenda. Um, but we haven't had so many of them hit the public eye in terms of. Um, you know, LGBTQ plus. Back I forgot XYZ PDQ. Back to yeah. that plus. Everything's plus. I want to talk about the uh, Bankman Freed issue. Are you guys of the mind that they arrested him to protect him from Congress? No. Protect him? In what way was he going to be protected by being arrested? He, he was a or to protect, well, to protect things from coming out in Congress. That's what no, because every everybody else from the company is testifying. So what would that matter? No, no. I'm Sam Bankman Freed. Every, everybody else from the his company has been testifying. So I mean, what? Yeah, I think the odds of yeah. him committing suicide go up when once he's been arrested. <laughs> yes, that part's true. Well, I know. Just a lot of people are saying it's kind of coincidental. Some are even saying. He would have been in more legal trouble testifying in front of Congress and they should have let it go. Is this about protecting Congress by shutting him up? Now? I'm not sure what it's about because he already had started telegraphing that he was going to do his Fauci impersonation of, I don't recall, I don't remember, I don't know. Um, he's been saying that in, in just general interviews. And once he's put under oath, I'm sure he's had, I'm sure he had counsel long before he got arrested. And any attorney worth his salt would have told him, you do you you either plead the fifth or you tell them that you don't remember. I mean, that's just the way that any attorney worth his salt is going to tell him that. So I, I have a hard time believing that anyone was worried about what he was going to say in front of Congress. Um, I don't really have a good theory as to why, as to the timing, if it's not coincidental, the timing of his arrest. Um, but I don't think it was to prevent him from testifying. And I don't think it was to prevent him from saying anything, <clears throat> excuse me, that might subject him to a perjury charge. Let me ask you a think... question. Do you think it yeah. took this long to uh, clean up and make available Jeffrey Epstein's cell? Could be. I mean, if they didn't make it into a museum. <laughs> I don't I, I Listen, I don't know the guy from Adam, 
but I'm not sure he's all that bright as far as testifying. And I'm sure you're right that if he had attorneys, they would be saying certain things. But just a little bit, I learned about him in the press. He doesn't seem all that swift. He seems like the kind of guy with black. Well, I, I don't know. Well, Stephen, his mother is big in st- big into statistics, and she's got a very large pack that she has run. The, the guy's a lot smarter than he lets on. No, smart. Oh, sure. MIT smart, he may be. But as far as... Um, intelligent in the ways of the world i don't know the angle of the story that most interests me or one of the angles that most interests me is that it is clear cut in bankruptcy law that the donations that he made to political candidates within the last at least 90 days are all preferences they're all or they're all um uh trans transfers without consideration that the bankruptcy trustee absolutely should be pulling back. And we have not heard any definitive statement that they're going after those politicians for it. And I know the politicians would say we spent the money. And I can tell you that in the real world, in the legal world, in bankruptcy world, it doesn't matter one iota. If somebody gave you money, you know, if somebody is go- is, is facing bankruptcy and transfers his assets to you and you go and spend the money, they can come back after you and they can put you into bankruptcy if need be. That's the law. These politicians should be forced to come back and return all that $39 million that, that he that he donated. Now, I know that's a drop in the bucket, but I'd like to see some of these politicians dance a little bit. And nobody's talking about it. The bankruptcy law, if I'm correct, is federal, right? Yes. Although there's state law, too. Uh, it's called a fraudulent conveyance. The, the term just came back into my head. It's a fraudulent conveyance. You can't transfer your assets without for, for no consideration. You can't just give money. If I'm going to go into bankruptcy, I can't the day before I file, take my money and give it to all four of you. And then the next day say, oh, I'm in bankruptcy. My creditors don't get anything. The creditors, the the, the trustee in bankruptcy can then go and claw back, which is a term that I have heard. They, they can claw back the, the donations that I've given to you guys and, and make you return the money to the bankrupt's estate and then distribute that money to the creditors. That and I said that, that's, something, that's something that would go through the bankruptcy court, I assume? Yes. And the court would order you to give it back? If you didn't do it voluntarily, the, the procedure would be for the trustee to file a lawsuit against you to return the property because the property belongs to the estate the bankrupt estate, and the bankruptcy court would grant that, that would be a winning lawsuit. Is that no more complicated because he's overseas or not necessarily, um, what's what I'm looking for? Where did he file bankruptcy? I mean, I don't know where he filed bankruptcy, but that's what bankruptcy law is, at least in the United States. I don't know what it is in Bahamas or wherever he filed, but I would assume it's that way everywhere. I mean, you couldn't have a bankruptcy law if in bankruptcy, you allowed the debtor to transfer his assets the day before he filed and then file and, and the creditors get nothing. I mean, that that would defeat the purpose of bankruptcy law. Because that's, I mean, I didn't follow Madoff in that light as much, but Madoff had given tons and tons to charities, um, some to the embarrassment of certain religions who I won't mention. But I don't remember them saying that they could get that money back. I just remember certain places saying, well, we spent it too bad. So, well, it depends. I mean, like I said, if 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 you trans if I transfer my money to you the day before I file bankruptcy, 
well, it, not transfer. Suppose that I buy, I don't know, a car from you or whatever. And, and the cost of the car is exactly as much as I paid you. They can't go and get that money back from you because now the car is in the bankrupt estate. But if I'm just transferring money, so if it's a donation, that money can come back. If it's a purchase for fair value, then that money generally doesn't come back. And the time, the timing you're thinking is three months? Yes, prior to filing. So Madoff was giving money for decades. So if it's more I, than three months, they can't touch it or that's just much harder? Um, well, if, if, there's, if they show fraudulent intent, then they can go further back. And if it's to what's called an insider, they can come back. So if instead of giving it to one of you fine gentlemen, I gave it to, um, you know, my brother or my spouse or somebody else, then that they can go back a year for, for those transfers. So it's not even that long, really. True. But I mean, I've deposed people who are, you know, I've taken depositions of people trying to, trying to get the, trying to find the money and they're standing, they're sitting there in a well, you know, well-dressed suit, expensive watch, everything, you know, they have all the, you know, they drive up in a nice car, you know, where'd you get the watch? Oh, it was on my nightstand last night. Well, who put it there? I put it there. You know, how'd you get it? Well, my wife loves, you know, loves me and she bought it for me. How'd your wife get the money? I don't know. She's a smart person, right? And you can go for hours and they just lie and lie and lie, but that's what they do. Interesting. Yeah. But if you do it to the bankruptcy trustee, the bankruptcy trustee has some powers that I, as a private lawyer, don't have, and they can prosecute you. They can make a criminal referral if necessary. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're betting very big money that Congress will give money back. Well, the trustee should force them. He should file those lawsuits. That's the part of the story that really interests me. I don't know about the most, but that's a really important part of the story. These politicians should be forced to pay for it. And to the extent that they spent the money on advertising and it's going to hurt them, good. They shouldn't be able to benefit from this crap. I mean, this is a perfect example. This was a money laundering scheme. I don't know if we can prove that in court, but anyone with two cents worth of, not, worth of brains knows this was, I mean, 30-year-old billionaire, where's he getting all this money from? Where did he come up with this idea? This isn't something, and he's a moron. We can tell he's a moron. I don't care if his parents are Stanford professors. He's a moron. He didn't, he's not Elon Musk. He didn't create anything. He's not, you know, Nicholas Tesla who had, you know, however many patents or whatever. He's a moron. He's an idiot. This was obviously something that was created for him. And he was just installed as the point man to run the money laundering scheme. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to all, you know, they're all going to be, you know, blind, deaf and dumb. Oh, we don't know anything about it. Oh, we just, you know, we just got the donations. Sorry. No, I'm not stupid. I wasn't born last night and I didn't fall off a turnip truck. Return the money. If you have to find it somewhere else, you know, how many of these guys have don't have, you know, don't have a war chest of money. They all do. That's why incumbents are constantly winning. Pay it back, period. And we're just if you see if you see clips of him and his girlfriend as well, they uh you know you, they look you like they're skipping they, along to the to the high school prom. Yeah, that that you can tell this isn't you know a criminal mastermind. That that right. this is just the patsy at the front, isn't it? That's my take. Yeah, but we're basically at chapter one of this story, if not the introduction, right? 
I don't know. I mean, it really just hit the fan. What we're talking a couple of weeks ago, right? I don't know if it's more complicated than we're than than I'm saying it is right now. That this was a money laundering scheme. It was always about just being able to funnel money to Democrats. The same way that the Ukraine war is a is a money laundering scheme to get money to Ukraine, which is then recycled back to Democrat politicians. That's what it, that's what it seems like it's all about. And and on top of that, I guess the Ukraine war is also about weakening the United States and weakening Western Europe by cutting off Russian uh, oil and gas. Uh, but I don't think these are very deep stories. I think that the story is it, it's actually right out there in the open. They're committing awful things right in front of our faces. And, you know, we just have to call it as, as we see it. Right now, I don't mean chapter one in the sense that you're not nailing what it's about. I mean, chapter one is now when they start dragging things out and mucking things up for a very long time until it's forgotten. Kind of like the Paul Pelosi Maybe. story. Maybe. Yeah, because I, I don't know. I didn't get the impression he was all that bright. Maybe he'll get a haircut in prison, at least. Maybe. Um, Daniel, I don't know if you read the show notes that we send out, but there was some ruling in Scotland today. Did you follow that? I, I do. Um, I, I do uh, read the show notes, but uh, unfortunately, I didn't get round to that one. Um, some so Scottish judge rules sex is not limited to biological or birth sex. I didn't follow the whole case, but. Yeah. Um, well, the, the fact is that Nicola Sturgeon's SMP, they've got very little going against them in uh, in Scotland. You know, the Labour Party's pretty much crushed there. Conservatives pick up about 20% of the vote in Scotland, but, um, you know, are lucky if they have an MP or two out of 50-odd. Um, so um, there, there's almost like a, it's almost like a one-party state that Scotland has become. California, and a, basically. Yeah, and it, it's a, it's a far-left one-party state um and you know she loves all the woke stuff she loves all the, the the crazy stuff so um scottish people are lumbered with it i mean they, they've done some terrible stuff that they they did on um uh legislation that would effectively mean that if you told an off-color joke that anyone else perceived as racist in your own home you could be arrested for it you know it, scottish um uh the SNP government uh, are pushing all sorts of crazy things at the moment. Wow. Well, keep it over there, will you, please? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, DeSantis, grand jury to investigate vaccine wrongdoing. How's that, how's that going to work? Like, so he's trying to turn this into criminal things, right? And he would have that power within his state. Yeah, it's arguable whether the PREP Act, I haven't looked into whether the PREP Act also preempts criminal liability. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, but the PREP Act is otherwise a blanket shield of immunity against the vaccine manufacturers and distributors and every everybody along the chain. Um, I think that the real uh, purpose of what he's doing is to show that he will fight and do what you know whatever is necessary and whatever he can 
And he's not going to just be your typical Republican that says, well, we can't do that. You know, the courts already said we can't do that. You know, this other law says we can't do that. He's willing to fight. He's willing to try and see what he can do. And and so far, he's been pretty successful with his fights against Disney and and, you know, some of the other things that he's done. Uh, so I think it's just it, it's as much about show as it is about substance. Right. But he's not proven to be a grandstander. He he seems to be more proven, like you say, to actually do yeah. something. That's true. It's going to be pretty interesting. Well, and if the PrEP Act doesn't immunize them from criminal liability, then he's going to go all the way, I think. And what's I, I just don't know the answer to that. What's the criminal issue? Fraud. I would think poisoning people, fraud. I mean, I don't know if it's fraud because, again, the government wasn't defrauded and the government is the one that was paying the money. The government is part of the of the fraud. So I think that's a hard case to make. I mean, that was what I was saying last week about how I would want to challenge part of how I want to challenge the PrEP Act. Right. The, the people who were defrauded are, didn't pay a penny. Right. I mean, it's all the people that were forced to take it, you know, because the government said you have to take it. Or the government instructed the employers to make them take it, but you know, no no consumer actually paid money for it, so they weren't really defrauded. You know, fraud, fraud is more than monetary, isn't it? Or is it? If they flat out lied about the effectiveness of the vaccine, I don't know. I guess it would be a novel argument. Maybe there's a, maybe there is an argument for for fraud in that sense. I don't know, but. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, to me, it's more of a of an intentional injury, you know, intentionally injuring people, you know, poisoning people, attempted murder. Well, again, they weren't forthcoming, obviously, about the uh, side effects, the blood clots, the myocarditis. Right. Reckless endangerment of human life, things like that. I mean, it's fabulous that he's kind of poking the feds in the eye and saying, guess what? We don't care that you're not doing anything. We're going to do something. And I, it's going to be really interesting to see if any other governors, you know, pick it up. Well, it, it also tells me that he has his finger on the pulse and he understands that if he is going to throw his hat in the ring and run and he's going to defeat Trump, he's going to continue to need to do these kinds of things to show that he is the guy. Well, I'm not so cynical. I didn't even think of it in the political way. I I tend to give him some benefit of the doubt, maybe wrongly that he's just trying to do the right thing. I mean, I don't I don't think that's overly cynical at all. I mean, it's a smart political play. It is, but I, I I'd like to we're, think we're constantly asking for Republicans to stand up for the base. Well, uh, Stephen, you've sprung from uh, an extreme skepticism that believes there are no facts on anything to um, um, politicians are doing things because they're nice guys. Daniel, I'm going to take severe objection to what you said. No, 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 no. You're not getting away with that, Daniel. We're not getting away with that. I identified as a totally different person at that point. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're, okay. Now you're dead. You're dead naming me over here. Yeah. <laughs> that was my other personality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I forget, you know, the time these stories come and go at you so fast. Did we even discuss Griner last week? Or was that after the last show? <laughs> go for it. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, everybody, I think, knows what, what happened there, which is that Biden traded one of the most notorious, most evil um, people on the planet for... Uh, no, that was the other guy. Well, that was Putin traded, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and um, what, what's the guy, what's his nickname again, the, the Russian guy? Merchant of Death, wasn't it? The, the, the merchant, we traded the Merchant of Death for Brittany Griner. And there's so many, again, there's always layers to these stories that's great. I mean, obviously at first blush, it's like, this is so disgusting. This is where we are as, as a society where the left is taking us with wokeism that Brittany Griner's worth more than a former military person who I believe a Marine who's been unjustly imprisoned there that we couldn't get him out, but we had to get her, her out because she's a black lesbian. Well, Aren't there some all, stories about probably, the Marine having had a dishonorable discharge or being aren't there some that. bad stories about him? Isn't she a runner up for the job of uh, White House press secretary? <laughs> Pretty much. There, I, I read a good article on this, though, that which which said um, to, to normal people and to us, it looks utterly crazy because... Yeah. Um, you know, uh, hey. Russia gets gets this uh, uh, massive arms dealer that they can use, and uh, America gets this this uh, um, thing that's seven foot tall. Um, you know, but um, if you're on the, the other side, if you're one of these kind of insane leftists, um, this is actually a PR win for Biden. Uh, you know, the, for them, it's a good exchange because it shows how um, modern and kind and caring about, um, you know, minorities and um, uh, people who may be men and may be women, uh, um, the president is. So, so it's actually appealing to his his base. Well, somebody uh, wrote the... Exactly somebody right. wrote, As you were saying that, Daniel, I was thinking to myself, what... Somebody wrote the same argument to the opposite. Had he freed the white male and left behind the black lesbian, he would have been crucified. And so it's the same argument, just backwards. And yes, yeah. it would have been. Right. I, but there is I think that the, the I think that what Daniel's saying is exactly right. Biden and the Democrats play to their base. Republicans attack their base. They know where their bread is buttered. They know who's on their side. They know who they have to placate. Republicans okay. don't. Right. But it also shows you how crazy and fanatical that they are. There's one thing. In terms Why is of that crazy and fanatical? That's who they are. This is this. Is well, the they're crazy and fanatical, are. because if you if you could trade a freaking arms dealer who's responsible for the deaths of Americans, who's considered one of the most dangerous persons out there for Brittany Griner, there's something really effed up. I mean, come on. Why isn't the Senate? you know, Senate leadership fund running a commercial saying basically that. Because they don't have the guts. I mean, honestly, he shouldn't have been. But that's what they the should, that's I what they have traded do. him for the Marine either. We, we should be happy when we get these dangerous. opportunities and we should use them to highlight this is who the Democrat Party is. I agree if we with did you. That, if we did that, this crap would stop and we would start winning more elections. Not that we're going to win elections that are rigged, but if you're going to participate in elections and not going to have a revolution, well, that's how you play to win. You show how evil the other side is. 
Yeah, especially mean, when they're telegraphing it. They're not hiding it. They're doing it right in the open. I mean, you know, we've, we've talked on this show about how did the Republicans lose the the women, you know, the, the women vote when when the, you know, the Democrats are for letting rapists out of jail, you know, for letting violent criminals out of jail, disarming women, putting abortions, crazy people into the women's locker rooms and bathrooms. This should be abortions. highlighted, not I mean, it should be highlighted. We shouldn't be whining about it on our show. I mean, we don't have the money to do it, but there are, you know, the, you know, Mitch McConnell has a lot of money in his Senate leadership fund or whatever it's called. They should be running commercials about it. They're cowards. They're, they're worse than cowards. The cowards are afraid. They're not afraid. They're they're just on the other team. They, well, they, are, they are on the other team. It's time for the Liberty Block pack, then. We need to talk. There we go. Supposedly, Trump said that he was offered a trade the marine for the guy and he said hell no i hope that's true yeah be right yeah he'd be right to do that absolutely that yeah it's it's this guy's probably going to go back to doing what he was doing before if i did the campaign ad i'd i'd have uh like a, a ruined town square with the bodies everywhere like smoke fire alarms screaming and then gently pan it across to a baseball court with somebody going, but we've got this back, you know, playing play baseball. Uh, and that's how you do it, you know, but I totally agree with Ed, um, you know, that they, they they play to their base, so it plays to their base and they don't care about the consequence, but we should, no. uh, we should expose that. And it, it's, you know, there's so much stuff. People talk about optics on our side all the time. But they never kind of go for the optics of what the other side do. Um, right, and make the optics obvious of what the other side is doing. Their optics yeah. are awful. Yeah. They're from mutilating children, for crying out loud, against yeah. their parents' will. Against their parents' knowledge. Didn't, didn't Biden just throw a tantrum yesterday saying that we have to protect the right of children to be mutilated? Yes. He also said <laughs> at any age, I believe, didn't he, in that? He said, any yeah. age. And it's like anti-Semitism if you don't or something. Yeah. 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 Breathe. Yes, if we had an opposition party, I guess it would look different. Because you're right, there's so much low-hanging fruit. Now, unfortunately- Armeet Dillon. What's that? Armeet Dillon. Let her change the culture at the RNC. Unfortunately, Ed's not here from Virginia to talk about the Loudoun County story. Apparently, did they indicted or something? Some of those people on that, the Board of Education there. Anybody following? It, it went back to that. The whole problem with the boards was that they overlooked the alleged rape of somebody by a transgender. And apparently... Well, yeah, not only that they overlooked it, but that instead of punishing the child... They shipped him to another school where he attacked another person. Right. And now when the father came indicted. to the board meeting, they arrested him instead of letting him speak. Right. So somebody's been indicted, I believe, some of the board members. It's actually, I saw that story, but I didn't I, I didn't catch all the details of it. Yeah, I didn't get, get all the details either, but it seems like something may actually come of it, which is pretty amazing if it does. If it does. Well, that's really that's really good news because um what they did to that father, as well as what obviously they let happen to the daughter, is utterly sickening. Um, so if there's if there's actually a consequence of that, then that would be good news. Right. And wasn't that the catalyst for the whole uh, DOJ, FBI, you know, 
haranguing the parents and everything. It all spread from that, wasn't it? It started because of the the parent uh, opposition at Loudoun County. Absolutely. Very interesting. Um, since we still have our UK friend here, Cambridge Dictionary. That's your Cambridge, right? The Not my Cambridge. The one that changed the definition <laughs> of a man and a woman to it's a your fault, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. I got I got to stand up for all the Jews. You can stand up for all the Brits. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just you know it's it's classic playbook, isn't it? It's what they do. Um, change the definition of words, but they're in a position to do it. They're you know they've got that power. Um, I'll, I'll be sticking with the traditional definition. <laughs> Well, you know we what you should do? We all, everybody and anyone listening to this, you should buy a paper dictionary that's more than 10 or 20 years old. You should buy an old encyclopedia that's more than 10 or 20 years old before Wikipedia came along. Mm -hmm. Because we need to have something that, that they can't just editorialize and change and airbrush history you know, whenever they feel didn't, like. um Didn't Miriam Webster change the definition of racism? In, in theirs, I've heard that. Yeah, I believe so. Well, the problem is because you don't have to print anything to change the definition. You know, it's yeah. funny. Many, many years ago, my dad gave me a present. And at the time, I, to put it mildly, didn't appreciate it. He gave me an American Heritage Dictionary, but one that actually has pages that you turn in it. And now, <laughs> I, now I appreciate it more and more. Yep. It's actually real. Well, you've got a, there's a there's a kind of um, dystopian short story in that, isn't there, where people pass around a banned text that that um, and you know you wonder what it is. And it turns out that it's a dictionary. <laughs> it's contraband. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like that Fahrenheit movie. Okay, yeah. folks, uh, to to bring things full circle real quick, I I had shared with you guys there was a, a bill in Congress about banning TikTok. And I think there's a couple of interesting aspects of this, which is number one, it's like we're asking for Republicans to stand up and do something about all these social media companies. But Marco Rubio and apparently some on the left are willing to go after TikTok because it's run by the communist Chinese, in effect. Um, but it also falls under the, under the umbrella of um, do we get to pick, do we get to choose what we want, want to use? Uh, you know, Ed in, has brought up the issue of not trading with our enemies. Does does this fall under that umbrella? Uh, are we okay with Congress passing a bill to say TikTok, you're gone? Where do I get to choose as a consumer? I think we had that argument today. <laughs> I'll I'll just take it on this way, Mike, because you raised full, full circle. Because you invoked circle me, Mike. Back, I'll say Mike. this. I think. I think such a law, I think a law banning TikTok would be totally appropriate, but I think it should be part of a larger bill that starts to withdraw political and economic recognition of China and disentangles us from them. To just do it in a vacuum as if as if to say, well, we're just going to scold China this way. I mean, I still think it's OK because you're not really you're, you're telling you're still telling us that we can't deal with a China, with a foreign government that's an enemy. Um but at the same time, I mean, Congress is not treating them as an enemy. So I would say they need to be consistent about how they're treating them. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of inconsistency because they're pointing to the issue of privacy and the fact that they're collecting data. I mean, I don't I mean, who knows what they're trying to do with it all? 
<laughs> you know, but, um, you know, there's a lot of privacy issues generally when it comes to the internet and these social media companies and what they're doing. It, it is, it just seemed a little bit inconsistent in some respects. You know, speaking of China, the protests have suddenly disappeared in China. Um, but at the same time, they also have, have come off their zero COVID policies as well. So mm-hmm. um, that's sort of fallen out of the news, except for the, the the loosening of some of the restrictions. I don't know if there's cause and effect there, but um, it's something that we talked about and it's worth mentioning again. We did. And I think... Um... I was on the other end of the argument, not thinking they would give in, and it looks like they did give in, or at least feigned giving in. Yeah, it's hard to tell, but at a minimum, it looks like they're feigning it. It's very interesting that they would do that. So, or or they've complete, or there was a time scale on it, and they've completed something they wanted to get done, or they're retreating and they're going to come back with something worse. Who knows? Yeah. Hard to believe they gave in. Okay, guys, what didn't we talk about real quick? Mike? No, I brought up my stuff. Go ahead. Daniel? Um, yeah, I've, I've covered mine. I, I, I wanted to get in a mention of the Andrew Budgeon thing because I think when we do have politicians who, who tell the truth and speak up, uh, it's such a, a glorious and rare event, like a flying pig, that we should notice it and say something. So, um, yeah, so, uh, um, uh, but as is typical in this, when he gave the speech, there were at times only three other, three MPs present with himself included. I think the most it got to was five out of about 650 MPs. Um, So, you know, here was sort of truth being revealed at the heart of British government uh, by someone brave enough to do so. And they don't even bother to listen. So that, that was my big takeaway of recent things. Ed? Um, I'm glad that Daniel is okay after England missed that penalty kick. Ooh. I've, I've, not been, I've not been supporting them since they started kneeling. So... Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not fussed anymore. I used to be rabidly affected by it. You know, one of my happiest memories and one of most my tribal memories is uh, um, the um, previous World Cups and and you know cheering fanatically for England like anyone else. But now I, I killed it for me. I, I don't really feel anything for them. So. I know. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I, I hate penalty kicks. I hate any sport that doesn't end the way the sport is supposed to be played. Uh, you know, it'd be like uh, baseball going to a home run derby instead of going to extra innings. So they should just play until oh, somebody. Mike, scores. don't even give them play, that idea. They should play. They should play all day until somebody scores a real goal. Wow. I actually disagree <laughs> with that last part, Mike, and I'll tell you why. It would. There's already a. a a bias towards defense in soccer. And that would just create an even bigger bias towards defense because if you could just wear well, the other team down, eventually you'd score a goal. Then I said, you- after each overtime, like one or two players on each team has to come off the field. <laughs> well, it's going to be a France-Argentina final. So, um, you know, I'm happy for, for England to 
have won the wars and they can win the football matches. You well, know? we can't root for Argentina because they're racist, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. No backfires or something. Apparently, what, the New what? York Times came out with a story. I think it was the New York Times that they don't have enough uh, minorities on their team. And then they had to pull back because their numbers were wrong or something. But yeah, they went after did them. You for see, not did having you see enough. the first reply on it or the, the, the reply that went viral? No. Which was an Argentinian saying, that's because we're um, a country, not a Netflix show. Oh, yes, wow. I saw that. I did not see that. <laughs> wow. Well, good for Argentina. <laughs> yes, good for Lionel Messi. Okay, with that, we wrap it up for this evening. See you all back next week, regular time, 4 o'clock on Wednesday. Everyone have a wonderful evening.